Michelle, thanks so much for joining Speaking of Making Healthcare Work for You, Different Perspectives and Empowering Solutions. I'm Stephanie Fields, joined by my co-host, Dr. Apoorv Gupta, and today we welcome Lisa McLaughlin, who is the co-founder and co-CEO of Work at Health. Thanks so much for being here. It's great to be here. Excited to talk with you today. Can you just start by telling us briefly what Work at Health is, and then we have a million questions to ask you. Yeah, so Work at Health is an on-demand digital addiction care platform that delivers mobile-first, medication-first evidence-based recovery services, ranging from intensive outpatient um, to just supportive services for people earlier in their addiction for opioids, alcohol, um, and a host of other comorbidities. Now, addiction and mental health are certainly things that have been so so much more highlighted during the pandemic because of the issues that have risen during that. But you have a really personal experience that led you here, and you started this company in 2015 and have a personal experience that goes a lot further back. Would you mind telling us a little bit about how you got to that point and what led to you co-founding this company? Yeah, so I actually... Was lucky, I think, to have gotten sober very young and uh, around 22 years of age. And uh, that experience was phenomenal. And, uh, you know, it happened for me because I got access to all the right services and I had genetic predisposition for addiction, uh, but I got a great program. I was near an academic medical center. I got a good psychiatrist and I got on a solid path uh, towards recovery. Um, and unfortunately, a lot of the people that were in my community at that time, um, Flash forward, you know, 10 years later when I met Robin, uh, were not sober anymore and many of them had died. And so Robin and I met in the Bay Area. We were fast friends in recovery. We both had great careers in Silicon Valley. And we bonded early on about how odd it was that our day jobs were about building this on-demand healthcare and really predictive tailored services and that addiction care was still in the 1920s. Um, but yeah, my own personal recovery very much informed building the company and this ethos of patient-led design and, you know, that patient voices were really missing from the design process for good evidence-based care. And that, that was a way that you build real world, world evidence and get it out into the hands of patients. I think that's one of the things that I found most fascinating when you were initially telling us in the pre-interview about this company is that you were, you and Robin, I believe you said, were helped by the traditional care that you said works for probably about 1% of the group, but you said that you've lost dozens of friends to ones who couldn't be helped by the system because it just wasn't the right fit for them for one reason or another. And so I love that while you had your own success and it's kind of a tricky thing, you know, there's probably a little bit of that hesitancy for so many people like, okay, this worked for me. Like I got it. I can't do anything to, to mess with this. But I love that you recognize that it worked for you, worked for Robin, but doesn't work for most people and that you needed to find another way. And it's just an amazing mission. I love that. Yeah, it was hard. Actually, we got a lot of pushback from recovery friends who were like, oh, you're leaving the pure path and looking at a different model. Uh, But we did it because people kept dying. And it was just like, obviously, this isn't working for them. And we needed to look at a broader perspective. And I would say we were even anti-medication assisted treatment when we started the company. So it was quite an odyssey getting to the services that we have today, but so grateful for the journey and grateful that we looked deeper and got the right scientists on board. Amazing, amazing, Lisa. So what made you set out? You know, I think you 
you actually laid out for us really nicely when we were speaking earlier about what the challenges are with the traditional system. So could you lay that out for us as well? Uh, you were you you were a recipient of that and it helped you, but then yet it doesn't help so many others. So what's missing? Yeah, I think confidentiality and privacy are key. It's very difficult if you're an introvert, if you're a medical professional, if you're a teacher, uh, to use traditional services that are very public facing and very exposing, even just in your community. As a case example, I once did an AA open talk and uh, a friend of mine came and who wasn't in recovery because it was an open meeting, but then her doctor was there and she afterwards said to me, oh, I don't know if that should be my doctor anymore. And I felt terrible for having invited her to my open talk with that outcome. But that, there's real fear and there's real risks associated with people's participation in those groups. And so those are big barriers. I think cost is a big barrier, um, um, lack of ease of coverage. So really going on a wild goose chase to try to get your insurance to pay for care, forcing you to call 16 numbers when you don't feel like calling anyone. Um, and then just the encumbrance of an all or nothing model that really forces you to jump immediately into total abstinence when you might be on 14 different substances, have a co-occurring depression or anxiety disorder, and that model is just never going to work for you because um, the bar is just going to be too steep. Um, so those were all things that in my own case, I had reached that moment where all it, like the costs were way higher of continuing and the benefits of quitting were there for me. But for a lot of people, um, it takes a lot more um, and it, th that formula doesn't happen for them sometimes ever throughout the whole life course. Does it take those people to go through the traditional model before they find the work at health model? Or you know, how, how are you getting your message out there into the community so that they can understand that this is available to them? Yeah, I mean, many of our patients have tried two to three other models before they come to us. I would say a good 30% are um, coming to us from having tried and failed at the traditional model. The others, I think, really are coming to us through new digital engagement strategies that we use. So part of what we do in our special sauce really as patient-led design company is that we go out and we do digital marketing on TikTok or Reddit or Facebook or places where we can just get out this message of low barrier, empowerment focus, meets you where you are um, to people so they don't feel that same sense of impossibility about starting if they don't think that they can do the all or nothing way and they understand that they can toe dip and they can start without being perfectly there and that's really game changing for the field because you will see a lot more people try um, if for instance they're an alcohol use disorder patient and they know that we have medications they can take while they continue to drink that are going to reduce their cravings and start to get them on a path towards recovery that's never really been transparent information that people have known about broadly. And it's really exciting. It just broadens the tent for so many more individuals that never would have even tried. So oftentimes we get compared to traditional recovery services. And I really don't think that comparison makes a lot of sense. If you think about it, like um, people like myself, the 1%, I think about the tip of the iceberg coming out of the water, right? Those people are in the traditional recovery circle, right? But then everyone under the water is not. And that's what work it focuses on, the people under the water that are 
drowning basically um, because they can't be on that one little tip or that island the way it's built. You said that you have much better clinical outcomes than these traditional services. And you also said that the reason for that is because there's so such a low barrier for entry so that people just go on, give their insurance information, and then can get connected to a nurse practitioner or a doctor. And then from there, they end up with a care coach who can be a concierge for their experience throughout the portal and the platform including helping them with local services. You said you try to match people within their local area and sometimes not their local area if that's what they need to. And just having that ability to just get right in because I loved that you were telling us before in the pre-interview that you know addiction doesn't wait. This is a 24-hour cycle and that's what you offer. But if you're having a breakdown on Friday at 10 p.m. and your next meeting's not until Thursday at 2 p.m., you really have a big gap. And so tell us why it was so important for you to fill that and what kind of results you've been seeing from patients just so much, I guess, more ready or I guess more willing, catching them at that willing point to engage. Yeah. I mean, I was sharing in the pre-interview, the loss of my friend um, who passed away and I, I actually have a trailing Facebook message from her from the period that she was in the ER waiting to get admitted before she left and overdosed. And that's that moment, right? Like she was willing, she felt a lot of shame. She didn't want to re-engage with the recovery community because she was scared people would ostracize her, but she couldn't wait, you know, the six hours in the ED to tell the story again, to go through the process again. Um, and just never wanted those moments to occur for people ever again. And if you have a North Star like that, you can get pretty quickly to an onboarding that's human centered and that's fast, not just because you got to get there through pre contemplation, but because a lot of people are joining on Medicaid and they, they have a terrible cell phone and you got to get them through to the appointment and they got to get them to book the appointment. Um, and those kinds of sensitive details make the difference between someone starting and not starting. Um, and really looking at that hard and analytically, I think, has made all the difference in the world. Is the technology there to support all of this uh, uh, approach, uh, you know, the patient-centered approach, uh, responsive and, and, and time-centered, you know, is that available? Uh, and the other comment I have, uh, based on what you were saying, is, is there a particular model that you're deploying that is based in some, you know, psycho psychology or behavioral health uh, treatments that might be helpful for our audience to understand as well? Sure, yeah, um, in terms of technology, you know, in terms of availability, yes, we have our own addiction EMR that's natively built that we use to support these flows. So we people book within our own systems, they can see their treatment plan right away, they can do video visits with their practitioners right from the app. Um, and so we're not navigating them to other services, we're keeping them right within Workit. Um, in terms of the model that we're using, Basically, the gold standard within addiction care is to provide medication-assisted treatment on the medication side of the medical team um, and to provide the best evidence-based behavioral interventions, which are really cognitive behavioral therapy, gold standard at any addiction, regardless of whether it's a process use disorder or a substance, extremely key tool to have in the toolkit. Um, additionally, for some substances we're using contingency management for things like stimulants. So our core is to really have the best 
already determined evidence-based standards available through the app, um, and then just have the best trained uh, recovery-sensitive workforce in the country uh, to deliver on that care and make sure that people get all the pieces so they're not on a wait list for psychiatry, trying to see a counselor but can't afford it because it's not covered by their plan. It just gives them the components that are key to success that have already been tested and proven, and we're really helping with the delivery and, and getting it into the hands of people. Do you coordinate with their existing providers, sending information to their PCP or a therapist they may be working with, or is that completely up to them that you can coordinate if they want to, or keep it completely separate if you don't want them, if they don't want you to? Precisely. So for instance, we have people that private pay and they have coverage, but they just want to have this separate from the way that they engage with the health system otherwise. Um, we certainly have disclosures and abilities for patients to consent to share with their pr practitioners, but we let the patient lead the way there. Um, and then in terms of care coordination, we do a lot to actually refer members into primary care. I would say a good 60% of our patients at the gate are disconnected from primary care. Uh, we work with large Medicaid populations, so that's part of it. But even in the commercial population, people are, aren't taking the best care of themselves at the, at the height of their addiction and haven't necessarily been doing routine medical checkups. Um, dental checkups is a big thing that falls off. Um, and so we do a lot of referrals there to recovery sensitive folks. Um, for instance, you know, one of the big things that people share in the recovery community is like, oh, what dentist do you go to that doesn't give you meds? What, you know, this sort of safe providers is something we're able to curate for our members uh, because we have a strong social work workforce that establishes those lists of, of the appropriate contacts. But we know what to look for, which makes a big difference. So I think the referrals are key. Uh, we also have a lot of pregnant women in the platform that are scared of CPS and they start with us, but then we can get them into a safe OBGYN setting that's friendly to concurrent addiction care and prenatal care, which is so important. I love that you do offer that ability for people to remain as anonymous or as public as they want and that your team is so prepared and you said you train your professionals who work with you to really understand the nuances of, you know, if somebody doesn't want a particular drug, don't try to push that agenda on them, you know, really just let them help guide their experience. Yeah, I think it's uh, really fascinating. I guess, Steph, you had brought up the uh, issue of outcomes earlier. And Lisa, when we were talking, you had mentioned that the outcomes here are, are so uh, profound. Uh, so maybe you can talk through a little bit of what are those outcomes and how do they compare to traditional uh, care, care models? What you would expect to see, for instance, in our first program, the opioid use disorder program, is even in the best rapid access MAT clinics, you would expect to see, you know, 40% engagement at month one, but then most people to drop off by month six. And our larger health plan partners have echoed that and their data shows that. Um, what we tend to see is 86% retention at month one across now a 7,000 member cohort. Um, and we do a real world evidence model. So we're reporting directly with our partners, what's going on with their individual cohorts. Um, but then retaining just 73% of those people at month six because of the low barrier to entry. That's just completely different, right? When I went to rehab, it was like, one in 10 of you will be here tomorrow. You know, it was very, very sad. It was like, 
stage four cancer messaging. It's like, and two thirds of those people will be gone a year from now. It's just not encouraging <laughs> when you have that kind of like, you know, tough talk in the beginning uh, to get that kind of message. And it's no wonder people are like, whoa, I got to get out of here. This is, this is scary. Um, so I think that's the difference maker. And I also think it's really the psychiatry piece that we do the integrated behavioral health care. So people get stabilized enough to stay. And many programs don't do that or refer that out. Um, and that's a, that's a big mistake in our view in terms of delivering the right kind of care in this space. And that's a perfect segue to my final question, which is about what patients have said about their experience with you. Can you share a story that you might have about a patient who have said, you know, just this changed my life. This made the difference for me. This is what I needed. Yeah, so I, I was mentioning about finding testimonials in the wild, which is my favorite way to find testimonials. And, um, you know, the team found one posted on our Slack inspiration channel this week of a patient um, who, you know, some of the things they said, my NP, I was super impressed with, could tell she was actually engaged and cared. Um, told me they work from a harm reduction approach, took into account everything I brought up and was very intelligent. When we got on the subject of my dose, I told her that I had been taking what I had been taking for the last few months and it seemed to be holding me, but I did have a few days where I'd get intense cravings. Um, uh, so she said, what I'm going to do is write your normal prescription with some extra strips. Um, and those kinds of sensitivities, like tailoring actually the program to exactly the abstinence-based recovery goal that this patient had is a game changer. It allows them to set their own pace to, you know, not just take the standard protocol that most MDs would prescribe there, which would be to just, oh, you're having triggers, let's bump you up and send you on your way. Um, those kinds of tailoring stories really fill my heart because it's it's how I know that you know someone feels seen and heard in a different way and then they're gonna you know find themselves having a sense of belonging in their own recovery um, that's really key to staying and getting out of their own social isolation. This was amazing. Thank you so much for sharing your story, the stories of what your company is doing. And I mean, those outcomes, 86% within like retention in month one is pretty amazing. So way to go. It's impressive. I'm so thankful you were here to share all of that with us. Thanks for having me. It was a delight to talk to you both. Thank you, Lisa. It was excellent. And thank you all for watching. We'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye.